Now, last week, <laughs> I spoke on turn your care into prayer, and uh, I hate that sermon, <laughs> to be honest with you. No, I don't. I, of course not. It's just I, I hated how I had to. Sometimes I preach something, and then the Lord puts me straight to the test, you know. And I'm thinking, Lord, not me, them. And he said, no, not them, you. And uh, so we talked about living our life especially coming into 2023 without being full of care and anxiety and, and, and stress and, and worry. And that this is not how the Lord wants us to live our internal life, but for peace to be there. And, and we read uh, in uh, Philippians 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Don't be full of care. Be care, not careful, but prayerful. This is how we could literally live this entire year. Like Jesus turned water into wine, we could turn every care into prayer. And what a year, what a way that we could live this year because cares come, stress comes, anxiety comes, worry comes. But we can turn our cares into prayers. But on this Mission Sunday. I want to talk not about being careful, but care for. Because this is our external life. Our internal life is not being careful, but our external life is living a life that cares for. Care for, to care for. This is the hallmark of true Christianity. To care for. The Christian church of the first century did not turn the world upside down with their doctrine or their dogma. No, the first church, the first Christians in the first century changed the world with its care for others, the poor, the weak, the widow, the orphan. When the apostle Paul and Silas went to Thessalonica on their first missionary journey in that region, and they brought the gospel to that city, and many rejected it, the Jews. The Jews rejected it, and they stirred up a mob. And they got the whole city in an uproar. And there's a violent scene that takes place there in Thessalonica, in this first century church, these first generation Christians. And they go to the house of Jason, looking for Paul and Silas, and they can't find them. So they pull them, and some of the brothers, some of those Christians, pull them into the city square to the city leaders. And they decree something about those first-generation Christians. They decree something about the church. This is not what the church said about itself. This is what the enemies of the church said about the church. We see this incident in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, 5 and 6. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. 
But when they did not find them, obviously they were looking for Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, and this was the decree of the enemies of the cross and the enemies of the Christ and the enemies of the church and those first generation Christians. Here's what they cried out. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. What a testimony. These, they're screaming. You can see the vein in their neck. You can see the spittle on their beards while they're, you know, decreeing. And here is the accusation of those first generation believers. They have turned the world upside down. You think their doctrine did that? The Christian church of the first century was a small, motley crew of men and women who believed in the resurrection of Jesus. Some themselves eyewitnesses to the very fact. Their message was Christ, but their manner was love and care for others. This was their method. They preached Christ, but they produced and, and worked among the poorest of the poor, and they cared, they cared, they cared for others. Babies were abandoned on sidewalks. I've talked about this in the past. The Roman Empire, the pagans would have a baby, and they would just, the, the infantis, infanticide was unbelievable. Thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of babies would be left in exposure. And they would just be, they would leave them in heaps and dumps and along the sidewalks because there was no love or care. But these followers of Christ who believed in the resurrection of Jesus and who only had one law, they didn't have a whole bunch of laws of what they should do and shouldn't do to little babies left on the sidewalk. They just had this one law. As I have loved you, you should love others. And so these Christians began to care for the weak, these Christians, these Christians, they begin to care. They were surrounded by paganism. They were surrounded by Jews that hated them and hunted them. And by a Roman empire and a Caesar and an emperor who dipped them in tar and lit them as human torches on the streets of Rome. But they kept multiplying. They kept multiplying. We read in the book of Acts chapter 9 and verse 31, the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria were multiplied. What, what, was, what was this? They just kept multiplying. And we read in Acts 12 and verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And we know that those 60 or 70 years from the resurrection of Christ to the end of the first century, the church has kept multiplying. By the end of the first century, the temple in Jerusalem and Jerusalem itself were totally gone. And by the beginning of the third century, Rome bowed its knee to the resurrected Christ. In 313 AD, Emperor Constantine declared the Edict of Milan. The Edict of Milan legalized 
Christianity. And within 10 years, the official religion of Rome was Christianity. What was the power of their message? What was the persuasion that caused millions to believe in this resurrected Christ as well? Well, the brother of Jesus said this in James chapter 1 and verse 27. The religious observance that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this, to care for. To care for. To care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. To care for. This is the culture of the kingdom and this is the character of the king. To care for a God who cares for. This is what the apostle Peter said. I read this last week in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for. This is his character. This is his heart. This is his world, his realm, his domain because he cares for you. He cares and we care. He cares and we care. This is our new nature created after God in his own likeness and his own image. When we come to Christ, we don't just believe, we get born again. We get a new life. If any man is in Christ, the Bible says he's a new creation. A new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. What about this new creation? Tell me about, this isn't just an ascent that Christ is, is, is alive. It's something happens inside of followers of Christ. We are born again. What happens? What happens is that something brand new comes into us and it comes upon us and we become someone brand new. This is our new nature. We, we, Paul wrote this to the Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24. Put on the new self, the new creation. Put on the new nature. Watch. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness like God my whole life before I in, in, in everybody's life before we come to God we are nothing like God but the day that we are born again a new creation comes upon us and we become like God in his image in his nature the new living translation says it like this put on your new nature your new nature not mom and dad not, not, not American or Australian or, or, or South African. Put on your new nature. And, it, and, and it, he says, put on your new nature, created to be like God. Created to be like God. Truly righteous and holy. The apostle John said in 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so are we in this present world. He cares for. And we, in his image, care for. Paul wrote to the Corinthians 
2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him. Come on, how many are in on that? Come on. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Oh man, you may not like change, but this is a change you got to love right here. Like Him. Like Him. To be like Him. We read in Psalm 146 and verse 9. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for, He cares for, He cares for the orphans and the widows. Yes, missions is a message of a resurrected Christ, but missions is also a character of God in us that cares for. It cares, the caring for, we care for because like Him, like Him, like Him. What turned the world upside down? Yes, it was the the, the preaching of the the truth, absolutely. But that truth surrounded by paganism and that truth surrounded by the Jewish empire, the Jewish temple that, that hated the church and that truth surrounded by the Romans, that truth of Jesus became irresistible. It could not be resisted because... They not only believed in him, but they became like him. They became like him. In Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 18 and 19, he administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, those with no father or husband. And he loves the stranger the foreigner. He loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore, like him, therefore, love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Love, care, self-sacrifice, compassion, this is how the world knew in the first century that Jesus is real. How will it know in this century? By our doctrine. Not because we're careful about ourselves, but because we care for others. That's how they knew then. And that's how they know now. Loving the stranger. Caring for those who have no husband or father. Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. Find someone who has no one to care for them and you do it. You do it. You know, when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, such a, 
a political, such a, such a story that, oh man, this, this story was lightning. Because to tell the story of the good Samaritan, he's actually telling the story of the bad priest. And, 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 the, and the bad Levite, and everybody knows that's not how it is. There's the good priest, and the good Levite, and the bad Samaritan. That's every, everything in culture would say, that's what it is. That's how it's supposed to be. And yet, Jesus stands up, and he tells this, like, whoo, politically, this, 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 this uh, story was like, uh-oh. But when Jesus told the story of the good Samaritan, he starts with the priest and the Levite. The priest and the Levite, they were teachers of the law, holy men in flowing robes. They had the creed and the code. They just had no concern. But the Samaritan had compassion and he took care of him. Luke 10, 33, Jesus' words. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where this man who had been beaten by thieves and was left to die bleeding on the side of the road, the victim of society, the victim of injustice. This Samaritan, as he journeys, he came where this victim was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of. He cared for. He took care of him. The priest and the Levite were careful, but the Samaritan cared for. The priest and the Levite, they were, they were careful. What if those thieves are still here? They, they were careful. What if I get that blood on my robe? They were careful. What about my schedule? What about my agenda? What if, I'm not, I don't have enough time to get everything done. They were careful. But the Samaritan cared for. And you know how Jesus finishes this, this, this politically dynamite story? You know how he finishes it? He says, go and do likewise. Luke 10, 37. Go and do likewise. He, he, what he is saying is, be like the careful Samaritan, not like the careful priest. We are never going to impact our world as Christians being careful. Go. Go, therefore, and do likewise. Go. Care for. Don't, don't be careful. Care for. Care for the stranger. Care for the wounded, the injured, the hurting, the neglected, the needy, the overlooked, and the disregarded. And you know, that is exactly what Dr. David Moore is doing today in India. I met David Moore at my daughter's wedding. He's a wonderful 
ophthalmology practice. He's done over 25,000 cataract surgeries himself. His daughter Phoebe is a brilliant surgeon as well, works with him there. 18 years ago, he was at a Hillsong conference and the speaker said, what is that you have in your hand? He didn't even know who the speaker was. He was talking about Moses, throw your staff down. And the speaker said, what do you have? Maybe you're not Moses, maybe you're not a shepherd, maybe you don't have a shepherd's staff, but you have something, what do you have in your hand? Maybe it's a carpenter tool, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, but he knew that what he had in his hand was a little scope that checks cataracts in eyes. And so 18 years ago, he laid that down and on his own dime, went to India to see what he could do to help, to train up, to train Indian doctors, to help. Now, of course, in India, the government provides cataract surgeries as well, but it's available, but it's not always accessible. And there are thousands and thousands of poor in the villages. And Dr. David Moran got together with other doctors and, and he joined in and, and they began a ministry called Eye Openers, not just to open the eyes with cataracts, but to open eyes to Jesus. To open eyes, 130 pastors are also a part of this ministry. And at his own expense, he and his daughter, Dr. Phoebe, have gone. And when I met him, he never asked anything from me. I said, what could we do? How can we help? And I want to show you what's been happening there this week, and I regret that I'm not there with him. And we all regret that we're not there with him. So put the photos, please, up on the screen. So that was the banner that was waiting for us. A hearty welcome to Pastor Jack Haynes and Pastor Mitch Barlow and Pastor David Rotniak and Mr. Calamini and, and uh, Miss Jacqueline from the other church and Dr. Phoebe McKenzie. That's his daughter and his grandson there. And when I saw that photo, it hurt my heart. Also, next photo. So, Eye Openers has 130 pastors that they also support because they not only provide surgeries for those who are not available to get to cities where they could get, they could. The government of India is very kind and they, they, also, they, 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 uh, they are available, but again, not always accessible. And so here in the rural area, in an area of about of a million people, about three hours from the nearest big city, um, they work with these 130 pastors as they open eyes physically and open eyes spiritually. And then at Christmas, they had, had 1,200 people here for the gospel message, and they fed them all and celebrated Jesus right in the midst of a Hindu nation. And then, and preached the gospel. And then yesterday, 180 women gathered for their women's conference. And of course, my time there would have been mostly pouring into and ministering to the pastors and, and those that were there because I, I, I don't know how to open an envelope, let alone open an, an, an eye. I, I can't do anything without Denise helping me. But I could maybe help those pastors and wash their feet and encourage them in their ministry and love on them from our church sent out to do that to those guys. And then just this week, 150 patients in a remote village and they go in there. There was 150 patients seen there. They booked 20 of them for surgeries. And also in these villages, they give eyeglasses for free. They give eye drops. They, they examine. They love. They let people know that they're cared for. And they do it all in the name of Jesus. And they present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And then here, the next, in, in one afternoon, this last week, in one afternoon, they performed 65 surgeries. It's about four o'clock in the morning there right now, but in a few hours, they will be removing cataracts on people's eyes that have not been able to access the government hospitals. And by the time the day's over, the blind will see and the poor will hear the gospel. And we're joining hands with them to care for, to care for others. And as a church family, through our missions giving, we are funding privately a thousand of these cataract operations at $40 each. That's the best $40 I've ever spent in my life. And why are we doing this? And of course, it's available, but not accessible always. Why are we doing this? You know why? Because we have an amazing opportunity to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, imaginations, we have opportunity. He says, he says therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. How many think this is good? This is good. And in Hebrews 13, 16, he says, But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. It doesn't even matter if I'm well pleased. God. This pleases God. He is well pleased. And Paul told Timothy to teach the people in his church who had resources. The people in his church who had means and who had access to so many things. Paul said this to Timothy. Teach those who are rich in this world. Like Aussies, we're rich in this world. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God. Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Amen. But, so enjoy. Go on your cruise. Take your holiday. Bless your family. Enjoy. But, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, not just in great life experiences. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, those who do not have access. Always being ready to share with others. This is no problem. We don't walk out of here saying, oh, the church just talks about money. No, not for us, because we are always ready to give it. Just give me another opportunity to do something good and eternal with what I have that's so temporal. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. That's you and me who are giving right now to the poor. That we will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that we may experience true life. And that is what we are doing today. We're using our money for good. Don't feel guilty. If you have money, be blessed. Enjoy. But use your money for good. 
I believe in prosperity. I believe God wants to prosper his people. But I believe it's prosperity for a purpose. Not just to see how worldly and how much stuff we can accumulate before we die and how lean we can get in our soul. That's not the purpose of prosperity. No, be blessed. Bless your family. Bless your children. And be a blessing. That's what the early church was, a blessing. We're using our money to do good. And let me just say this. Opening the eyes of the blind is a good work, and it pleases God. Through the skill of surgeons and the care of Christians, the world of a thousand blind people in India is being changed, and they are hearing the gospel of Jesus in the largest Hindu nation on earth. And you know what? exactly what we do every day in our own city. This is exactly what we do every day through West Care. Care for. We care. West Care. We do this every single day in our city. We care for those in Penrith in need. And even in Penrith, there may be government, you know, availability, but again, access We care for those in need. We care for the violently abused. We care for them. That's why we have these apartments that we have set aside. And we are helping them with. Yes, there would be some kind of assistance from the government, I'm sure. But we can immediately get them into one of our apartments where we have a vision for 1,000 safe sleeps for those who are violently abused. We care for the disenfranchised, the marginalized, the alienated, the subjugated, the less fortunate, the, de- the depressed and the distressed through our men's walk. How many have been down to the river lately and seen the big blue tree down there? I hope they don't arrest Andrew, but he was a part of that. West care, we care. We care for Even immigrants right now that come into Australia through our own ministry with Eva, we care for. We care for. We believe Jesus. We belong to Jesus. We preach Jesus. We proclaim Jesus. But what transforms a culture is when we become like Jesus. Paul said to the Romans in 8.29 For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. That is how we get it done. We become like his son. We don't just believe in his son. We become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters who are just like him. Can you see it? Can you see that this is how, this is how the church of Jesus continues to multiply? Even if it's in a minority, even if it's in a dark place or, or, or hard circumstances like China, it still continues to multiply because we not only believe in his son, we become like his son and we care for And he becomes the first of many brothers and sisters. Thank you, team. Could you please come? We don't become like Jesus by being careful. We become like Jesus when we care for. I think there's way too much careful in the church. 
and not near enough care for. But here in this house, God has given us opportunity to do good. And so you know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to go online this afternoon and bring your missions giving. I'm going to ask you to give. Bring your faith promise. We do it online. We're not passing a bucket again today, I don't think. All right, so we just, dang, I love Sundays where we take two offerings. But I'm asking you to do what your character, your new nature, your Christ-like character compels you to do. You're becoming like Jesus, like Jesus. I'm going to ask you today to give to missions. Give. Bring your faith promise or maybe bring a special offering. Maybe bring a very special offering today because dang it, I'm here and not there. I don't know how that makes sense, but I'll do anything I can. Except sing and dance. Although, stand with me. This is Mission Sunday. This is what this house is all about. We're not just a church that's here to bless you, bless you, bless you, you bless, you bless, well, but bless me, bless me, bless us, bless us, bless us. No, we are here to care for a city. We're here to care for a city and to proclaim the gospel of Christ, but to do it with the character of Christ, to believe in Jesus and to become like Jesus, to be his hands and to be his feet for others, and to take the amazing opportunity that we have as Australians the richest nation on earth now, according to the most recent report. The richest nation on earth is Australia. Why would God entrust such blessing upon us? I believe so that we could be a blessing to the nations that are around us and the nations that are near us. We don't become like Jesus by being careful. We become like Jesus when we care for. So I want to pray. Heavenly Father, Make me more and more like your son. That he would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters that look a whole lot like him. And that we would be his hands and his feet. And that we would give and that we would go. And that Lord, Lord at least we'd be willing to go. We didn't go last week, but we're sure willing, ready to go. And I pray you'd open that door again, Father. But here we are today on this Mission Sunday, the first one of 2023. May we always be a church it's not just careful for ourselves, but that cares for others. And thank you for the amazing opportunities and the 21 partners and the 31 projects that we've been a part of this last year. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name.